The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, this is what we are to do with our life. And this is one of my favorite verses. It says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Well, welcome to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper. And we're so glad that you're listening to the American Family Radio Network. And we're in Mark chapter 12. We'd love for you to get a Bible and turn there and follow along with us. And then later in the show, we will take questions. And if you want to call in with a Bible question, Bert and I would love to hear from you. And uh, anyway, Bert, I, I got to say, I've, I was traveling on Monday and I know that you were out yesterday. But um, before we get too many far days removed from it, I just want to thank everybody for participating in share last week. And uh, it was it was a busy few days. It was an exciting few days. But God has blessed. And yesterday uh, we were going over just how the Lord is using this ministry and how many millions of lives are being touched with the gospel. And for all those that pray and stay involved and support uh I just want to say how much we praise God for each and every one of them. We do, Alex, and exploring the Word is we this this team that we have here, uh, Richard and Robert, uh, Brent, you and myself. Uh, we thank God for these people who love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's usually the first reason they give. Then Amen. you have all the secondary reasons, and uh, we praise God for that, and we say the biggest thank you that we could think, first, for Amen. the Lord Jesus Christ saving those people and then making them disciples and then now saying we want to be a part of This is missional. This is yes. part of the mission. and. Part of the mission statement of AFR is to carry the good news of Jesus Christ at home and around the world. And because of the radio stations and because of the Internet, the podcasts, the apps, we're able to do that and thank God for it. Well, amen. And we give God the glory. And, I, you know, I opened up with Mark 12, verse 30, and it talks about loving the Lord our God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and mind. And uh, that's one thing that we really do try to emphasize is being a good steward of our mind and learning truth, internalizing God's word, which is truth. The world needs to hear it. But also the word strength that, you know, with all of our ability, that's one of the things that uh, the word strength implies, just um, with every day that we live, uh, and individually we want to do that. Bert, I believe firmly, corporately, collectively, AFR does that. With everything we've got available to us, we're, we're living it out for the world to hear about the Savior. We do, and I thank God for that, and I'm glad to be a part of a ministry that is that is their first goal. Now, Amen. verse 31 says, the second commandment, we've already gone over this, but it's good to review it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want to share with you, I want to ask you this, and you may disagree. If you do verse 30 the way you should love in the Lord, verse 31 should follow. Loving it's your just, neighbor. It's going to happen, isn't it? It really is. So if we do the first commandment, I, I really do believe you get right with God. Uh, it works. Yes, it works vertical. But the love of God also works horizontally, that we love our neighbors. And, and listen, the Bible says that even our enemies. And so, uh, and sometimes, let me just share with you, for Bert Harper, that's hard sometimes. And mm. uh, so, but the but God, through Bert Harper, it's amazing what God can do. Yes. Well, uh, you know, Jesus is talking to one of the scribes here, and the scribes, among other things, they were the copyists, that they would make copies, and they would count the letters. And when Jesus gives these answers about love the Lord thy God, this is the first commandment, love your neighbor. And so this scribe says, you know, well said, teacher, or some translations will say, master, you've answered according to the truth. And you've spoken the the truth of God. Uh, do you, Bert? Uh, only the Lord knows, I suppose. But do you think the fact that um, this particular scribe called Jesus Master or Teacher, and he acknowledged that 
Here's Jesus who not only knows the word, but he accurately proclaims the word. I wonder to what degree this particular scribe was acknowledging the messiahship of Jesus. Well, according to verse 34 and what Jesus said, he's not very far away. You know, and uh, with all my heart, I believe he would come all the way uh, with his openness. And this is openness, it seems like, with a possibility in front of or close to where the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians were. And he was able to work through that for himself and ask Jesus those questions and then respond in such a manner. So I I, I got a feeling we'll see this this fellow. We'll, we'll know who he is in heaven, Alex, I believe. I, well, exactly. And so uh, it says after this, because clearly, you know, they, they revered the scribes, uh, but the scribes could be legalistic, and yet Jesus was not uh, at all intimidated by this person and answered. They have a, a dialogue going on. It says after that, no one dared ask him another question. Then verse 35, then Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David calls him Lord. How then is his son? And the common people heard him gladly. But this is a fascinating um, part of scripture here because it's really... Uh, well, you know, Jesus is quoting from the Psalms, but it relates to the incarnation. How was somebody who lived 400 years after David, how was, um, you know, David younger than him? And how could the Lord say to my Lord, uh, you know, sit here till I make your enemies your footstool? I, I think the only way to understand this is the incarnation that God took on a human body, and humanly, Jesus was born in the lineage of King David. And yet, Jesus, as the Ancient of Days, was infinitely older than the creation or David, which was part of it. That is the answer. The eternality of Jesus and the incarnation sets this apart all the way. And so, again, I think this um, they could not understand it. Uh, it was beyond their idea because they did not want to. Now, if they were to take Jesus as Messiah and understand who he was, then they could, but they did not want to. Even when Jesus was right after he did become flesh and dwell among us, and Mary and Joseph took him to the temple, Simon, Simeon, and Anna both recognized who he was. Yeah. But what was the difference? They were looking for him. They knew he would come, and they knew he would come uh, in such a manner. These are, I mean, they are disappointed that Jesus would not come as a conquering uh, Messiah. And uh, they, as we have said many times, they ignored the suffering servants in Isaiah. They ignored a lot of those things because and it's like you. I heard you say this sometime. They were talking to a, a Jewish rabbi, and he said, "What do you do?" And they said, "We ignore those per- passages." Oh, yeah. And that's what they did. I think that's what they were doing even then, Alex. Do you know that was Dr. Harold Wilmington who taught at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem? And Dr. Wilmington famously he wrote an, a lot of great books, but uh, the most well known is probably Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. Uh, but Dr. Wilmington would tell the story about, um, and he was very close with the faculty there at the Hebrew University. And he said one day he sat down with a number of the professors and he said, look, uh, I'm not trying to be confrontational, but Jesus fulfilled all the criteria for being the Savior, and um, yet you don't believe in him. What do you do with Isaiah 53? And one of the professors angrily said, what do we do with it? We ignore it. Yep. And But... Hey, I got to say something that's so precious. In Luke two thirty-five, you mentioned Simeon. Uh, remember, Mary and Joseph came to the temple to fulfill the customs for when a woman had given birth, and Simeon came over and he had prayed that he would see 
the consolation of Israel, right? And he held the baby Jesus and pronounced a blessing. And he said, I praise you, Lord, that you have let me see your salvation. Now, isn't it something (laughs) that we think of salvation as something Jesus would do? And and yes, it is true. He did die on the cross and pay for our sins. But uh, the person, Jesus, this individual that we have a personal relationship with, Jesus himself, he is the salvation. It's, it's not just what he would do, but it's who he is. And I thought it was interesting, holding a newborn infant, aged Simeon would say, I'm looking at the salvation of Israel. Amen, Alex. That, that is powerful. And I wrote this down. The, the, him being the salvation, because of who he was, he did what he did. Now, Amen. you catch what I'm saying? He did. He came. I came to do my Father's will. He would not turn away from that. He uh, he, he went as he were to the cross purposely. And so, yes, he is our salvation. He is our salvation, isn't he? I mean, that's he the really way it is. is. And, you know, let me just say to everybody listening, we, we oftentimes, maybe we make it harder than it needs to be. Uh, what do I do? to get God to love me. You might wonder, well, there's nothing you can do. He does love you right now. And how can you be saved? You have a relationship with Jesus, and he's as close by as a prayer. And when you you've put your faith in Jesus, and it, it can be as simple as saying, Lord, I am sorry for my sins. Lord, I do believe you are who you said you are. You're the Son of God. And when you died on the cross, you did that for me. And so, Lord, I, I believe in you. And I'm asking you to save me. I mean, it can be as simple as that. But when you have Jesus in your life, you have salvation because he is the Savior. And and if you need help to talk to someone right now, there's our partners. And you can call them 888-NEED-HIM. 888-NEED-HIM. They're ready to pray with you. They're ready to share with you. And so one of the greatest things we've heard during Sherathon, some of the testimonies, is those who were saved listening to AFR Radio. And you could add your name to that list. Listen, there's nothing more important than knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Your eternal location depends on it, where you will spend eternity after death, heaven or hell. That is the truth, and we here at AFR Exploring the Word, we want you to know Jesus and spend eternity in heaven with us, just like we were talking about that scribe, Alex, who Jesus said is not far away. I I believe he came all the way. We want everybody Mm. to come all the way. So listen more as we continue in Mark chapter 12. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Michael Regan, administrator of the EPA. His office oversees matters of environmental protection for our country. Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2 reminds us that the earth is God's creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Michael Regan as he works on behalf of the environment. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Civil unrest, global pandemics, personal chaos. Dr. Tony Evans says they may be bringing more than just disruption and discomfort. He proposes some possibilities worth considering as we spend two minutes with Tony. When there is a cloudy, threatening day, the weatherman gets a lot of attention. Because what we want to know is what the weatherman sees. Is it going to rain? Do I need an umbrella? Do I need a raincoat? We shift how we operate based on what the weatherman has to say. God is talking. And one of the ways God speaks is through allowing circumstances 
into our lives and into our world that are not pleasant. He allows those circumstances to get our undivided attention. It's a wake-up call. It's sort of like your alarm clock going off. It brings you out of one reality of slumber and sleep into a new reality of alertness. The further you remove God from a life, a family, and a culture, the more chaotic things will become. And so oftentimes in the Bible and in the world, God will shake things. Life is going along like you prefer it, like you want it, like you desire it. And all of a sudden there is an interruption in the affairs of normalcy. That's what God does all through the Bible. He would shake things up when he wanted to get our undivided attention. If you need help holding on until the shaking stops, check out Tony's CD series, Clarity in a Crisis, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Man, if you're saved and that song doesn't move you, uh, uh, listen, we've been saved. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Speaking of that, Alex, we're standing on the shoulders of giants when it comes to broadcasting. And one of those giants went to be of the Lord uh, this week. And Charles Stanley is in the presence of the Lord. Uh, I believe he would have gotten well done, thy good and faithful servant. I believe he heard those words. Bert, do you you remember in probably the mid-'80s when Charles Stanley and In Touch Ministries, he was the uh, pastor of First Baptist Church of Atlanta, but he really just, it seems like, overnight came on the scene uh, do you remember that when suddenly, I mean, Charles Stanley, everybody was talking about him, right? He, they were, yes. And I, I want to say this. He was, uh, in my opinion, a game changer in terms of Bible teaching. And and I watched him up until about two weeks ago I was watching him. He just was an anointed, anointed Bible teacher. And uh, we had the privilege of meeting him in a time or two at NRB, National Religious Broadcasters, um, we interviewed him, and um, one of the great honors of my life, Bird, I'm going to try to find this picture on my computer, and I, I might put it on Facebook, but we were there with American Family Radio at National Religious Broadcasters when I think it was in Florida. This is probably five, six years ago, and, and there I was. One side was James Dobson. The other side was Charles Stanley, <laughs> and we were doing uh, radio, and uh what a man of God. And, you know, folks, uh, there's a lot of uh, Billy Graham is gone, and Chuck Colson is gone, and Dr. Stanley, Adrian Rogers. Bill Bright. And Bill Bright. But here's the thing, folks. God, we have our beloved leaders, and, and that's wonderful. We are the beneficiaries of these inspirational Christian folks. But now what about you? Uh, let's each one of us stand up and be all that we can be for Christ, for the Word of God. And there might be somebody listening right now, and you're thinking about how you're going to serve in your church and in your home. Maybe you're even going to answer a call to preach the gospel. And Bert, um, we we need to always, like the Bible says in Romans 10, that um, the beautiful feet of those that take the good news, to, you know, and we need to pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers because um, the the ones we love and benefit from, they're not around forever. Uh, I'll say this. I know we get back to Mark chapter 12, but I think about some of the great leaders like David Jeremiah and, and John MacArthur. We've benefited. 
and still, and still benefited from them. That's that's the awesome thing. But Josh McDowell. Yeah, he'll raise them up. Let me see. There is a prophet named Elijah that, right. man, look what he blazed a trail wide and deep. And he was taken out. But guess what he had done? He had invested his life in a man that was serving him for years who was plowing. And he went by, put his mantle on him. And Elisha started following him, and we don't have a lot of record of what Elijah and Elisha did together until the last when they went from city to city to city and finally crossed over the Jordan River, and then the mantle fell from Elijah's Mm -hmm. shoulder, and then Elisha picked it up, and uh, after he had asked, he said, what would you like? And Elisha said, I I won't. I I think he said it this way. I need a double portion of your spirit. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm just putting my vernacular on it. And uh, so, Alex, yes, uh, those that's gone before us, we thank God for them. But we thank God for who's in our presence now and who will be afterwards. He will be with he will have his remnant. He will have his prophets in his time. Uh, well, I want to say this, folks, um, a little bit what we're talking about um, regarding the late, great Charles Stanley is influence. Now, every one of us has influence on others, and it's possible to be influenced by others, and, and that can be a wonderful thing. Uh, by the way, speaking of mentoring and being influenced and growing this weekend in Paris, Tennessee, uh, and I know we have people listening there right now, but Bert will be there. Abe Hamilton will be there. Will and Mickey Addison will be there. I'll be there. Carrie Vaughn from Love Worth Finding, the great ministry of Adrian Rogers, he's going to speak. Carl Kirby from Cincinnati, Lo- um, Reasons for Hope, one of the great speakers on youth. Um, we want you to be there, and folks, listen. Um, if you go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. You can register for this weekend's Truth for New Generation conference, and it it can be free. We had a donor give some money. Uh, The code, if you want to register, you just put in these three letters, A-M-M, A-M-M, and you get a free registration. Now, maybe you want to buy a registration. It's not much. I think it's maybe $25, uh, and we've just done our best to keep this thing affordable to everybody, but We would love for you to be there. Tennessee Valley Community Church, TVCC, Paris, Tennessee, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're all going to be there. It's going to be amazing. And uh, we humbly, I want to say this, and I know I speak for Bird as well, we kind of feel like God's allowing us to mentor listeners, and we we take that very seriously, and we we want you to come out and uh, grow. Bert, One last thing, the Christian faith is so wonderful because only Christianity has this idea, yes, salvation by God's grace through faith in Jesus. There's so many unique things about Christianity, but the idea of life influencing other lives, mentoring, discipling, that's not in any other faith system. Bert, I know uh, you've heard me say I'm, I'm a beneficiary of people like Buford Smith, Mark Sink, uh, a lot of names I could name, Dr. Dobson. You've had the people that have shaped your life, haven't you, Bert? I have. Billy Langley was pastor when I was saved, and he was such a blessing. And then I got to be his pastor later on. It was neat pastoring my pastor. And uh, God has done so much. And we, so here's what you do you're probably watching someone and observing them. And, and I will say following them to an extent. I don't mean uh, to the point of idol worship, but you're following them. And then you should have someone following you as they mm. are looking to you. So you are going and you are the between that first generation, this generation, and the next generation. Make that connection. It's like the baton. You want to hand it off. With that in mind, Jesus is here. You remember what you said in verse 34, and after that, no one dared uh, question him. I love that. They didn't dare. They yeah. had. They they found out they could not turn him. They could not uh, throw him off of his purpose. Verse 38, after Jesus yeah, talks yeah. a little bit about uh, him being uh, eternal and the incarnation, verse 38, then Jesus said to them in his teaching, 
Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes. Love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at the feast. Who do what? Devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Now, before I hand it off to you, go to verses 41 through 44, and Jesus talks about a widow. Right after, he talks about them devouring widows' houses, taking that advantage of them and leaving them penniless, leaving them homeless. He talks about the widow dropping in her two mites and him saying, Jesus saying, she's given more than anyone else. Now, Alex, the the ending of chapter 12, verse 38 through 44, it's powerful for those that are in positions and saying, you are not doing it for show. You should be doing it unto the Lord. And those who have the, quote, lowest positions can really make a difference. So this really does illustrate the first shall be last and the last shall be first, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. And, you know, um, that's another unique thing, the, the brilliance, how God set up tithing giving a tithe and an offering, because, look, whether whether it's somebody that by a human standard is wealthy or somebody who's not wealthy, 10% is something that, uh, for one thing, it's fair, isn't it, Bert? Um, it do yes. you know there have been different politicians who've said if the tax rate was, you know, a, a flat tax that was the same for everybody, not the same amount, but the same level of investment or sacrifice, it would be much more fair than the the current tax code, but but you're right. Um, there are people that give out of, like this widow that gave out of her poverty, and what a sacrifice it was. And the Lord acknowledged that. But one thing that we we definitely get out of this is that God sees, doesn't He? God knows knows uh, the gift and the heart from which the gift came. Uh, we were talking about Dr. Charles Stanley, our former colleague who's going to be of the Lord himself, Dan Celia, who yes. had a two-hour program every morning. And Dan, uh, I know he influenced you. He was a blessing in my life, he and Yvonne, uh, just a blessing in mine and Jan's life beyond any description. He was saved listening to Charles Stanley on the radio, and he pulled off the side of the road and asked Christ yeah. to be Lord of his life. But Dan was talking about this, these two mites, you know. And I yeah. remember he said, does this mean that God is observing what you give? So I think the obvious answer is yes. So yes. Uh, is is he looking to condemn? No, he is wanting to bless. He wants to bless you. It says give as unto the Lord, and he'll give back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, he'll give back to you. Who was it that said when you give God with a shovel, he'll give you he'll give back with a bigger shovel, you know? Yeah, yeah, I don't know who said it, but but it really is true. Yeah. You you, you can't outgive God and um back in the eighties there was um a rock band, I'm not gonna mention their name, but they very sarcastically wrote a wrote a, a song about, you know, because there were ministries and ministers asking for money. And very sarcastically, there was a line in this rock and roll song, and it said, my God is not short of cash. Well, obviously, God doesn't need anything we have, but, you know, tithing and offering is much more of a heart issue than a financial issue, isn't it? It really is. And so let me encourage you guys who are listening today. Uh, Malachi says, that God said, test me and see about what it means to give. And uh, I, you, and you may not understand it, but I've had tires on my car last longer than they were supposed oh, to. Word, yes. I've had, they, I called it an asbestos suit. Now, it wasn't made of asbestos, but I got it early on, back in those days when we couldn't afford. And preachers had to wear suits all the time. Now, that was, those oh, yeah. were tough days. I, no, I'm joking about that. But I wore that suit, and I, I want to just tell you, nothing would stick to it, uh, Alex. <laughs> it was just like God put a coating on it, and uh, it lasted. No thread bare, and it lasted forever. So, God, you remember the children of Israel? They were going through the wilderness 40 years, and what about their sandals? 
They they didn't wear out, and the clothes. You get the implication: the clothes grew along with the children, didn't they? They did, and it was an amazing thing. And then how he fed them was day by day. Just remember that. Give us this day our daily bread. Every time I hear that, I go back to the manna. God gave them the food every morning that they had to eat. The only time they got more than they needed for the day was the day before the Sabbath. And Mm. so, Alex, uh, our God shall meet our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's the God we serve. Well, verse 42 says, A poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadran. So this Roman coin, a quadran, is from which we get the word quarter. Okay, this was a fourth of a penny. Now, the two mites, each was an eighth of a penny. Isn't this something? But Jesus, who knew her heart and her situation, just as the Lord knows our heart and the Lord knows our situation, Jesus said, Surely I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty and all that she had, her whole livelihood. Um, Let me just say, because I know these are times that are tight, I, I understand, but I've, I've got churches that I hear from, and they're saying, well, you know, we gotta, we've um, let the youth pastor go, and we've reduced everybody's salary, and we're going to cut our giving to missions. I know this takes faith. I, I know. But, Bert, I really think when, from a human perspective, looks like a drought, that's the time to give. I mean, really. Um, if you think that uh, lean times are upon us, and they are, that's the time to lean in heavy to f- trusting God with our giving, because you just can't outgive God. You can't. Let me make this observation about 42, 43, and 44. We're just a, close to a minute till we go to phone calls, and that number that, that you want to call to ask us questions is 888-589-8840. You can call now. Robert's ready. 888-589-8840. But let me, what I get from 42 and 43, 44, and there's a lot that you can get. But when I look at it, Alex, listen to this. Jesus is looking at what is in the plate, quote, the offering plate, and what's in your heart. Mm, and wow. and he, they need to be what? They need to be parallel with one another. That's yeah. the whole idea. And this woman, she gave out of her poverty, and God knew that. So she gave the most. Jesus just said, why would I say, why would he say that's the most? Because God not only multiplies people and multiplies fish and bread, he can multiply the money as well. He sure can, folks. He sure can. Well, this is Exploring the Word, Bert Harper and Alex. Stay tuned. When we come back, we'll get straight to the calls with your questions. Give us a call. We're back after this. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God. And our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Director of the AFA Foundation, Riley Wildman. I've traveled a lot. I've met with people from all over the country. Riley has served as the director of the AFA Foundation for over a decade. The most rewarding thing about my job is that we get to build relationships through our donors and our supporters and get to have that personal relationship with them. Contact the AFA Foundation today to learn how you can shore up permanent income for your retirement years while supporting the culture-transforming work of the American Family Association. 
A charitable gift annuity benefits you and helps ensure the AFA will impact America for generations to come. Call 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. The AFA Foundation, the Financial Stewardship Division of the American Family Association. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James 1.22. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. This scripture underscores the harrowing reality that permeates the life of many who profess to be Christians. The blessing of being a Christ follower comes not only from hearing God's word, but obeying it. James continues, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Exploring the Word is back, standing on the Word of God, and the call number, if you want to have a Bible question that Bert and I will do our best to give an answer to, it's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Bert, where shall we go first? We're going to the great state of Georgia, and it's Joshua. Welcome, Joshua. Thank you. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for taking my call. I was on a ministry line uh, about... I think it was August of last year, and a person who just wanted to argue said, we don't know who really wrote the Gospels. How can we prove for a fact that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John actually did write the Gospels and that those Gospels can be truly attributed to them? Thank you. God bless, and I'll listen to one on the radio. Okay, Joshua, great question. Let me just tell you the internal evidence shows that especially Luke is we know Mark was the writer. His information may have come from some of us think Peter, but we know that in Matthew and each one of them has their own personal style and, and it is consistent. Like John is consistent with first, second, third John. Luke is, is consistent with the book of Acts and how it is written. Mark, if you look at it is also consistent with Peter first and second Peter. So, so the, not only is it in the scriptures, it's pretty sad, isn't it, Alex? Yeah, it is. And you know what's interesting is church history has been very consistent about what we call the traditional authorship of the New Testament books. And, you know, Bert, kind of in the mid-20th century, there was a fair amount of skepticism, not based on any justifiable historical evidence, but on, like, presuppositions. People just presuppose, well... This must have been written this way or that way. But one of the great things has been in recent years how overwhelmingly scholars have come out in favor of not only the preservation of the text, that what you have really was what was originally written, but also, and, and a lot of this is not only recognizing the literary voice like Luke and Acts. You can tell that was the same author and John and Revelation, uh, but uh, so many, um, well, two things, archaeological discoveries that have validated time and again what we read about in the Bible, but just the hundreds of thousands of verse references in early church correspondence that have been discovered, and of all things, I interviewed a very respected conservative scholar, Dr. Dan Wallace, and this is, you know, six or seven years ago, and he said that there are almost a million examples of early church correspondence where one, one person writes to another person and quotes a verse. So here's what we're saying. There's really no evidence to believe otherwise. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, the book of James, uh, Jude, 
uh, other than, you know, skeptics and speculation, there's, there's really no other reason to doubt what history and the early church and the scripture itself has told us. And the ones we have are the ones that God wanted. If you believe that God could give us these, we also believe that he preserves them and collects them, the ones that were needed. Thank you, Joshua. Let's go to Texas, talk to Victoria. Welcome. Thank you. I love your show, and I've learned so much from it. And my question is, please, uh, could you please explain the three levels of heaven to us? Thank you. Okay. Alex, go ahead. we got a lot of callers, so I may let you answer most of them, and let's go today. Uh, great. You know, well, there's the sky, uh, there, there's up in the heaven where the birds fly. Then there's where the planets are, the solar system. And then there's the presence of God. So when the Bible talks about, you know, being caught up to the third heaven, that's, you know, the very abode of God, heaven where believers will go. So when it talks about the heavens, uh, God created the heavens and the earth and then heaven singular, it's the sky outer space, and then the abode of God. Alex, do you know the only man-made thing in heaven? Uh, what? The wounds of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And There's a beautiful old gospel song that, that says as much, isn't there? It really is. Thank you, Victoria. Let's go. Well, let's stay in Texas and go to Logan. Welcome, Logan. Hey, guys. Um, just needing your help with something. I've kind of been reading into some preterism stuff and, you know, pre-trib, mid-trib. And, you know, I'm not going to bring you all back to that one. It's definitely been ran over several times. But uh, one of the questions I'm kind of running across is Revelation 21, talking about a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus is great about pulling from the Old Testament. Is he pulling from Isaiah 66 and referring to the new heaven and new earth? Uh, Alex, go ahead. Uh, I would say so. Yeah, um, amen. Yeah, I, I believe the book of Revelation is, at least 4 through 22, is prophecy. It's future, not past. Now, the seven churches of Asia Minor, those were literal churches. That's uh, the first three chapters. But preterism says the book of Revelation is history, not prophecy. There is some history, but 4 through 22... Bert, I believe that's all future. I do. Now, let me just tell you, there is tribulation all through, but the great tribulation, when you see it worldwide, when you see it the way it is presented in Revelation, it's different than the tribulation that is uh, happening here and not there. And millennial, great God's great, great blessings. Yes, it's happening, but there's going to be a rain and so, uh, really, uh, thank you, Alex. Good answer. And, Logan, keep reading and, and just trust the Word. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Chet. Welcome, Chet. Hello. Uh, it's the first time calling. Thank you. Well, pa- what part of Tennessee are you in, Chet? I'm up. My wife and I and my boy are we're in Pocahontas or by Selmer and Corinth, Mississippi. Yeah, I know where Pocahontas is, man. I do. Okay, you got a question for us, brother? Well, I, I, I was, we sold everything we had from Yellowstone, Montana, to move down here to buy land, and um, my wife found her daddy after 17 years. He was living in a covered wagon up in Arizona, and that's how he's always lived, apparently. It's, it's not a question. It's more of a thank you. Um, this man, he, he hardened his heart to the point of, doing things for some really bad people for money. And I was afraid of him. And he come down here and he got really sick. We went and picked him up, brought everything down and picked him up. And he got really sick. And I started listening to your guys' program three months ago as I drive back and forth to Memphis every day to go to work. And through your guys' courage, I was able to witness to him on his deathbed in the hospital and he accepted Jesus right before he he died, and Amen. I didn't think I'd ever experience something <laughs> Woo! like that. Hey, can and you I imagine? Can, can you imagine the heavens breaking open in glory over one sinner? The angels just broke out, Chet. 
Man, man. Yes, sir. And it's because you guys, I was able to, I, I mean, I want to give you guys the credit because I I don't know nothing about the Bible. All I know is John 3.16, and I hey. felt like I needed to say that to him. Brother, Amen. listen, God, you, brother. God takes little and makes much out of it. That's what he does. And I want to tell you what Alex and I are doing right now. Thank you for your thanks, but we're saying thanks to God. God's Amen. the one that is. Man, amen, making to our God days today. The glory. Isn't that true? And, and your, your obedience resulted in somebody being saved. God <laughs> bless you. And, hey, folks, that could be all of us. I mean, you just never know. It, the caller said he, he knew John 3.16. Hey, that's all you need. If you want to be leading people to Christ, tell them about, for God so loved the world. Isn't amen. that wonderful? That's it. If What he's done for you, he'll do for others. He really will. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Vicky. Welcome, Vicky. Hello. Yes, you're uh, on. I've been trying to call y'all forever and ever and ever, and I thought today I'm pulling over on the side of the road and I'm getting my question in. So my question is, is I'm going on 69 years old. I've always been taught once saved, always saved, but it's not a credit card. I understand that. So you pray daily, If I mean, for any hidden sins or Sins that you don't know that you sin because I have been told that that's not true. You're not always saved because if you sin and five minutes later you're in an accident and get killed, you go to hell. Is that true or false? Okay, Vicki, thank you. Alex, let me just share. Make sure you're saved. And then as much as you can, confess your sins. When it's known, confess it. And if you don't know of any, ask God to reveal them to you. But the greatest, the payment of our sin was on the cross, wasn't it, Alex? It, it really was. Um, I, I do believe in the eternal security of the believer. And sometimes, Bert, sometimes people kind of glibly will say, well, once saved, always saved. Here's the thing, though. There's, there's your status as a born-again believer. And that's why, you know, Second Corinthians 5.17 says that we are a new creature, all things have been passed away. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And the, the way it's written there, that peace is a permanent status. Now, there is this thing called our daily fellowship. And Bert, um, yes, a Christian might stumble and sin, but they're going to confess it, and they're going to want to keep a close connection with the Savior every hour of every day. But if somebody were to repudiate Jesus and they were a they claim to be a believer and then they turn about and reject and denounce Christ that they once followed, I don't think they were ever truly born again to believe with. To I agree. With. Well, First John makes it sound like that. They went out of first us John because 3. they were never with us in the first place, Alex. Yeah. Uh, make just let me say this: If you're not sure you're saved today, those of you of you that are listening, go to Triple Eight Need Him. Go to Triple. I'd rather make sure and pray the second time, knowing I mean it, than praying the first time and wondering if I really did. Alex, I know I'm not trying to complicate things, but we can make sure, can't we? We can know. Yeah. We can know, and folks, that is the most important knowledge. I've shared it many times. First John five thirteen. These things were written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. K N O W means certainty, and so don't wonder. Be sure. Be sure. Be sure. And uh, Bert, uh, I know time fleets away, but I want to see if we can get a few more calls. Yeah, let's go to Tennessee and talk to Derek. Welcome, Derek. Hi, Bert. Uh, so this is a bit of a testimony. Um, my wife and I we were living in Humble, Texas. You mentioned it on a <laughs> Terrathon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we we started a business, and we started out, and we got into the flow of things, and we were uh, we started taking our eyes off God and doing everything in our mind, doing everything on our own. We had an opportunity to move out to Tennessee. We moved out to Tennessee, and we've uh, we've been full tithing, found a good local church, and God has really blessed our business. We have uh, added about one and a half times what we were making in Texas, and it, it's God has blessed this business, and we, we 
pray that we can continue Amen. with this business. We haul cars for, for a living, so. Amen. Amen. Derek, thank you for that call. Hey, two people called in today. They moved to Tennessee and got right with the Lord. Uh, that's pretty good, isn't it, Alex? That's wonderful. That Amen. Is wonderful. Thank, you, sir, thank you, for yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah, let's go to Texas and talk to Russell. Welcome, Russell. Hi there. Yes, go ahead, brother. Uh, just one. Yes, sir. Thank you for the call, uh, taking the call. Uh, my, it's a question, comment. It's uh, in relation to Ephesians six twelve, and uh, you know God said our battle's not flesh and blood; it's, it's spiritual warfare, and yet that that is so often um, it, it's not addressed from the pulpit. There's a lot of people that don't know how to battle uh, spiritual darkness, and oftentimes you know still continue to try to battle things in the flesh. And I know that Christians cannot be possessed, but they can be oppressed and or can be struggling with a, you know, maybe a spirit of fear that still resides in their life or things of that nature, but yet they still don't know how to be, you know, get set free from it or delivered from that say, spirit of fear or whatever it might be. That's, you know, spiritual oppression. And which, so it's like I said, in the, in the way of a comment question, um, why do you think that, that pastors and people in ministry do not address that subject when it, it's a critical part of our life. Amen, and Russell. I'll, I'll listen. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Let me make this statement. If you'll read, and, and I again, I'm you know I'm a simple guy, but the answer I don't know why they don't. I did when I was pastoring. I I would get on that, but I found out Satan. I'd try to slip up on Satan and bring it in because I knew good and well Satan would attack when he's been attacked. Mm-hmm. are exposed, he gets angry and tries to fight back. But listen to verse 13 about we wrestling this way. Therefore, after you know you're in a, this battle with spiritual warfare, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day in heaven done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Above all things, taking the shield of faith, which is able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. There it is, Mm -hmm. faith. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The answer, if we could practice that, Alex, we would have victory, would we not? Well, James 4, 7 says, if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And I think about 2 Corinthians 10, 4 that says the weapons of our warfare are spiritual. And so, yeah. Hey, look, folks, even as a born-again Christian, the old devil, he's not going to give up easy, but you stand strong in Jesus, saturate your mind with his word, and walk with the Lord, you will be victorious. Amen. Thank you for that good call. We had awesome calls today, and I just want to say, always, thank you for those calls. We hope it helped those who were calling, but we hope it helps others. Remember, you can go away to AFR, look at the podcast, and you can look today's or others that we've done in the past thank you bruce would love to get to you tomorrow if you can call back but alex we'll be back tomorrow with more of exploring the word the views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the american family association or american family radio